Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we have been looking at this massive, it's a massive incident. It began with the healing at the pool of Bethesda, the man at the pool of Bethesda, remember? And uh, something happened after that. You know, this man blabbed. <laughs> he got healed and uh, Jesus found him in the temple and said, sin no more. And the first thing he does is run to the Jews and say, it was Jesus that healed me. Because remember they said, who is this fellow that said you can pick up your bed and go? And who said this? And in a very interesting way, that question is being answered. Who is this fellow? So this fellow, he's going to start talking about things that are going to be what he calls witnesses concerning himself. And so we're going to be looking at that today. I, I don't want to go back over all the things that we did before because there's just too much there. So please just go back in the videos and, and watch them yeah. and catch up. Yeah. Okay? And so we're in John chapter 5, and I want to begin in verse 31, but I want to read Deuteronomy 19.15 first because what we're going to find is uh, the Apostle John is going to give us several witnesses, I believe five witnesses, <laughs> Concerning Jesus. All right? And Deuteronomy 19.15 says, By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So it wasn't going to be just one thing. The Bible itself says two or three witnesses. John is going to give us five. Okay? Don't have to count them as we go, but just know there were five in there by the time we finish. All right? And so in John chapter 5 and verse 31, Jesus begins. Now remember he is answering the Jews. They are, they are sort of, they're mad at him. He has just finished basically saying that he is equal with God. And that really tipped the scales. They just really went mad. So he is about to defend himself now. And he says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is, so I'm in John 5.31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true or literally not valid. In other words, you know, I can come and say anything about myself. There's nothing else to support what I'm saying. Well, that's useless. Anybody can say anything. And there's a lot of religious leaders out there that say a lot of stuff about themselves. And, you know, it's really sad because man is looking to believe in something. And instead of believing the truth, they will believe a lie if it suits them. See, sometimes the truth doesn't suit. <laughs> so you look for a lie to believe in. And what's sad is you know it's a lie, and, but you'll defend it because you want the right to live by that truth, so to speak. That is a lie. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You know, what I found, and, and this is something that, you know, evolution, all that stuff came from a desire to do something other than what God said. And then they wanted to say, well, we're coming from an you know, intellectual point. And we're proving to you that this is, you know, this is truth so that we can live an immoral life. So that we don't have to answer to anybody. Are you all with me? Anyway. Um, uh, Leon Morris. <laughs> Let me read some quotes here. Leon Morris says this. He says, Jesus points to the impossibility of anyone being accepted on the basis of his own word. Witness to anyone must always be borne by someone else. So Jesus now provides not three, four, but five witnesses. Beginning with 
what should be the greatest witness of all, and a lot of people miss this one, and that is the inner witness. And he says in verse 32, there is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. So what is he talking about? The, this witness is God the Father. All right? But it requires something. It comes in the form of an inner witness. Now, I want to talk to you about this on two levels. Okay? I want to talk to you about this on the level in which Jesus is giving with regard to his defense regarding his deity. But I also want to share this with you on the level of witnessing. You know, when you are witnessing, you need to realize something that you're not on your own. That whatever words that you speak, if they are coming from here, then God will confirm his word with a sign following. He'll confirm his word in the hearts of people. He'll let them know this is the truth. Now, they may say to your face, I don't believe it, but in their heart, there'll be something going, you know it's true. Now, they might come back, they might give into it and come back if they're wise or fight it all the way to hell and realize that they were told the truth and they rejected it because they didn't want it. Because as Jesus said, men love darkness more than the light. Okay. If you can't understand that, hallelujah. <laughs> it's one of those things you don't ever, ever want to have as part of your reasoning. Amen? All right, anyway, back to this. Uh, Romans 8, 14. Remember that the Apostle Paul wrote and he said, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the true children of God. And this is what they weren't. They weren't spirit-led. They had no idea. You know, when Jesus was speaking, it should have been confirming the word they were studying if they had a relationship with the person that wrote the word. We're going to look at that in a minute as well. But this tells us they had no relationship with the author. Isn't it interesting how you can get so caught up in here, write commentaries about it, do all sorts of stuff, and have no contact with the author? You're just debating what was written. And you, and you think in your debate, and in figuring things out, and all the little nuances, <laughs> that you are pleasing God. And God's standing there going, you haven't spoken to me for months, years. Ever since you went to synagogue school, you stopped talking. <laughs> I make a point. All right. <laughs> However, from what, from what Jesus says next, it's obvious that these Jews did not re receive his witness. That obviously meant a lot to him. Amen. And so he decides to point to a witness that they might appreciate and understand. Verse 33, he says, You have sent, sent to John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. Now remember again, if we went back in John chapter 1, verses, I believe, 19 through 28, somewhere in there. Remember he talked about, you know, there was a delegation sent to John, asking him, are you the Messiah? And he made it very clear he was not. So they had witnesses come back from that to say, because they would have reported back. They have to do, you know, reports and all that sort of stuff, okay? So they would have gone back and said, this is what he said. He was emphatic that he wasn't the one. Bottom line again, 
is that John the Baptist made it very clear, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. Here is the Messiah. All right? So that was one witness. Now, sadly, even though they had regarded John the Baptist very highly in the end, they would go on to reject his witness as well. You know why? Because it was inconvenient. They just, it didn't suit their lifestyle. It didn't suit their doctrine. All right. <laughs> I need to read this. This was both unacceptable and inexcusable to the Apostle John, who himself was a disciple of the Baptist, who on the Baptist's own testimony of Jesus actually left him to follow Jesus. Remember that? He, when he said, behold, and he said, see you later. <laughs> John, the Baptist said, behold, and John, you know, John the Apostle goes, see ya, bye. And him and Andrew went and joined Jesus. So, see, that in itself was important. All right, so, verse 34. He says, yet, I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. You know, I think this is really interesting that Jesus says, do you understand the reason I'm arguing with you to begin with is for your sake. I want you to be saved. I don't want you to go to hell. Are you all with me? See, otherwise he could just say, you know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> just gone. You know, forget about this. I don't want to mess with you people. But isn't it interesting, and again, I want to come in from a witnessing point for just a moment, that if Jesus took time to explain to people that were antagonistic against him, if he tried his very best to give them as much as he could to help them believe, then shouldn't we do the same? We shouldn't be so quick to toss people out and kind of go, you know what, you're not worth my time. <laughs> you know? And just, I got better things to do. Just check with God before you walk off. If God says, go, they're not hearing anything, they're not going to listen to you, walk away, then walk away. Even if you want to stay there and slap them a bit, walk away, because <laughs> that's your flesh now. But just like you can stop your flesh from staying and slapping, you can also stop your flesh from walking away too soon. Because it's a little bit uncomfortable. And maybe you're just on the verge of a breakthrough. Remember I said to you again, you're not there by yourself. God is witnessing to them. Right. You're speaking, but God's all over them. Yeah. Like somebody said, white on rice. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay? I, and you need to know that. But if he says, it ain't working, it's not happening. You know, I, 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 it was amazing. I, I saw a movie recently. And... Uh, I loved the visual. You know, this, this person was talking to this priest. And this priest, you know, in explaining something, he goes to a pond and he picks up a stone and he, he hits it on the side and breaks it. And he says, see this stone? See the inside? It's perfectly dry. He said, it's surrounded by water and nothing got in. And he said, so are some people that are surrounded by Christianity, surrounded by God, and nothing gets in. They can be in a monastery and all that stuff, and it still doesn't get in. God is still on the outside. Isn't that something? Hmm. That blessed me. Okay. Verse 35. He says he was, they're talking about John the Baptist now. He says he was the burning and shining lamp 
and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. You know, they were happy. They went out to go get baptized by John. Remember? And he said, I don't know about your, you know, your sincerity. Go bring fruits. I want to see if you're really repenting here. <laughs> you know? And I'm wondering whether those fruits were a lifestyle. Whether he said, I need to see you doing something different before I do this. Hello. Verse 36. Watch now. He says, but I have a greater witness than John's. For the works, now the NIV says work, but it's not correct. It is plural. Okay? It needs to be works. He says, uh, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Now this is something very important. See, and you need to get a hold of this as well. We, when we are out there witnessing, we are not out there trying to win an argument. Don't try to win arguments. In fact, you know, Paul talking to Timothy says, stay away from arguments. They don't do any good. Now, I know Paul debated and talked to people about things, but they wanted to actually know. They were saying, okay, you say this, but then we've read this. And Paul would say, yes, but remember it said also this. And they go, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that, that's good, that's good. That, that's okay. What is not okay is if you're saying something, people go, I don't want to believe that. That's not the way we do it in our church. Who cares what you do in your church? Right. Check and see if the word of God is behind it. Right. It didn't get lost in some tradition somewhere. And now the tradition is more important than the word. That happens so often, so quickly, because people are always trying to, I guess, get things to a place where it's comfortable. You know, the Word of God isn't comfortable. It keeps you on your toes. <laughs> I'm trying to say, and it's always there. It's in your face. That's the reason why people don't want to, and I'm just saying this, that's the reason why people, I believe, don't want to have a relationship with God, because, you know, He always talks His Word Every time you try to say something, he'll say something from his word. And you go, hey, never win an argument. And <laughs> thank God you don't. If you're arguing, you're on the wrong track. Amen. <laughs> we need to be in agreement and moving in the same direction. But I want you to notice he talks about the works. And what, uh, let me read this first. William Hendrickson in his commentary says, The Father's own testimony by means of the works of Christ. So remember he has talked about the inner witness first. He talked about John the Baptist. He talked about the inner witness. Now he's talking about the works. All right? He's saying you didn't, you, you didn't have enough in, in yourself. See, the inner witness requires you to hear God. It requires you to be sensitive to God. So number one, he's saying the very core of you is missing something. All right, so since you're not hearing, this is what happens normally. The next thing is God will send somebody to tell you something because he can't get through to you. Hence, John the Baptist. Now, if that doesn't work, then comes the works. You're going to see or witness something. Again, notice these are outward things now. We've gone from some, the best, which is inward, to now outward things. All right, we went to John the Baptist, then he's now talking about the works. He's saying, even if you don't believe what somebody says, do you notice something that is impossible that's going on? Shouldn't that do something? I told you it's not about winning arguments. It's about doing things that go beyond the natural realm. 
that people look and say there is something about this. There's something different about this. This isn't religion. This is real. Amen? Okay. So again, let me just read this. It says, The Father's own testimony by means of, by means of the works of Christ certainly surpassed the indirect testimony given by John the Baptist. The works in which Jesus engaged are his miracles, including the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda, which is where all this started. These works have evidential value. They are evidence. Always every time it says evidence, I remember Fred Price. Y'all remember? Evidence, evidence, do you have evidence? <laughs> you know? and, but this is something important because evidence is factual. Yeah. Evidence isn't something I believe. Evidence is here's a knife. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not, here it is. You know, here's a Bible. This is evidence. This is something real. This is something I can touch. This I can contact with my five senses. I don't need to have faith. Here it is. Are you all with me? Okay. These works have evidential value. For there was truth in the remark of Nicodemus, no one can do these signs which you do unless God is with him. These signs were a seal of the Father's approval, specifically of the fact that the Father had commissioned him. Amen? Amen. All right. In fact, Jesus will go on to repeat uh, this statement once again in John chapter 10 and verse 25 uh, when he says to the Jews, I told you and you do not believe. This is uh, John 10, 25. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. He say, by then he's going to be talking to them like this. He's, he's going to be saying, I get it. You are spiritually dead. You will not receive anything from the outside. Even if it's somebody that you admire, if it doesn't suit you, you'll reject it. So you're going to get something in your face that you can't walk away from. Something that other people... See, have you all noticed when a miracle happens, the people that the miracle happened to don't shut up? They become a loudspeaker? And you want to stick your fingers in your ears if you don't want to know that stuff? But they're still yelling it. I'm healed! Shut up! It's the wrong day of the week. <laughs> you know, I, wow. I, I have to repent of the thoughts I'm having right now. Moving on. <laughs> I'm just being honest, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, where was I? Yes. So these works and signs were one of the undeniable proofs that would set Jesus apart from all other religious leaders both Jewish and non-Jewish, and while the Apostle John would go on to write in John 20 and verse 30, when we get to it, we'll see this, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And he goes and says, in fact, in John 21, 21 and verse 25, he says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if it were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. I like the amen. I would say amen too at the end of that. Okay, so I, I need you to know something, that the, uh, the gospel accounts have nothing to do with giving a list of everything Jesus did. All, each one of them have a point to make. Each one of them uh, use the miracles to make a point. They are not a, 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 um, a, a catalog of miracles. So if you think this is all Jesus did, it isn't. All the stuff he did on the non-Sabbath days, we don't have, basically. 
It's all the Sabbath day miracles that we get. And he didn't only do miracles on the Sabbath, but that was what got him in trouble. That was the reason why, because people were asking the question, why did this man, uh, you know, why was this man crucified? If he did nothing wrong, why was he crucified? That was the question on everybody's heart and mind. And so they wrote the Gospels to tell a story. And they said because he cared for people more than the Sabbath. Because he was God in the flesh. Because as God, he, remember, he, he knew that man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Which means if man was sick on the Sabbath, heal him! <laughs> I said two things at once and it came out wrong. Okay, so he says if the man is sick, heal him! Don't leave him there! Amen? Don't kill him, okay? All right? <laughs> so th that's really important that we understand again that the, the Sabbath was made for man. Therefore, you can heal on the Sabbath because it was there for man. And what a great testimony of God to be healed on that day. Your eyes surely would be on God and you would be surely praising God and you would see the mercy and the love of God. And you will be thankful to God. And what did the religious leaders say? It's the wrong day of the week. Yet I'm breaking the law. And he never broke the law. Ever. Amen? Amen. Everything he did was in perfect harmony with God and his word. Which is the reason why he said the father is working even on the Sabbath day. The day that you say nobody should be healed, God's actually looking to heal somebody through someone. So you're all out of God's will in what you're doing and what you're saying. And all of your laws have got so far from God's law, it isn't a it's nothing like what was meant, it was meant to be. Amen? Anyway, where was I? Yes, let's move on. So, of course... Included in these other things that Jesus did would be many more works that have borne even further witness of him. Also in John chapter 5, uh, verses 37 and 38, Jesus now goes on to present his next witness, and that is God himself. With it, he points out three specific areas of ignorance that the Jews are suffering from, which I'm not going to go into detail today, and we might just leave that. But I want you to notice that he is going to deal with something now. When he says in verse 37, and the Father himself, I'll see if I have time, okay? Because I have to get through this today, okay? It says, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. Now, the first thing we see here is that as great as the witness of John the Baptist was and the witness of the works themselves were, both of which were rejected, the most important witness of all was God the Father himself. Okay, as great as those were, there was something even greater. Accordingly, Leon Morris writes, this is the witness that means so much to Jesus because he has the witness of God. Listen, he is not troubled by the opposition of people. But though this witness is so clear and so valuable to him, he does not anticipate that the Jews will respond to it. So I need you to see something. He realizes how important this is. This is the most important thing. At the end of the day, you know, people come and say, well, how... Let me just go on a sidetrack, okay? But related, but side, okay? You know, people come and say, well, by what credentials do you do what you're doing? 
God called me. Oh, no, that's not, no, no, no. We, we want to know which school you went to. Which rabbi said you could do this. We don't care. If, see, at the end of the day, we don't care what God says. What we care about is, did you go to the right place? Did you get your mind warped in the right spot? Are you thinking like us? Because if you're not thinking like us, then we have a problem with you. They had a problem with John because he didn't think like them. <laughs> you know? they, think, they thought John was bad. And here comes Jesus. <laughs> oh, dear God. You know? Frying pan into the fire. You know, John didn't do any miracles. So they could argue with him. He could get on their case, get jiggy with them. And they could still walk away with, you know what? You believe what you want to believe. We'll believe what we want to believe. But then here comes somebody that does stuff. That totally contradicts everything that they've been saying. You can't do a miracle on the Sabbath. And he does one. What does that say? Especially because they believe it takes God to do a miracle. Now they have to scratch that whole doctrine. They have to. If they want to continue to believe their lies. Hmm? So, let's continue. I have so much to say here, but I'll leave it for Bible College. All right, not, besides not being able to hear God's voice or see his form, Jesus goes on to identify. Now, one of the, let me just make one comment. One of the things about not hearing God's voice, they weren't there when God spoke at his baptism. And said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So they weren't there to hear that. So, you know, Jesus is making a point that you weren't everywhere that you needed to be to, to hear all the things that were going on regarding me. You are rejecting me without all the information. Are you all with me? And so he says now, but you do not have his word. Now watch, this is so important. Please get this now. He says, you do not have his word abiding in you. I'm in John 5.38. Because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Notice they didn't say you do not have his word. Please see the word abiding. He said, you do not have his word abiding in you. You pull it apart. You we're going to talk about this in a minute, okay? But he's saying, you are so close to it, it's like the rock in the pond. Surrounded by God. Surrounded by everything that God is doing. And still, nothing penetrates. Hmm? The distinction here, about what he says here, about them not having God's word abiding in them, is very significant. Even today, let me just say this, a lot of people have the scriptures in the form of the Bible, but very few have the scriptures abiding in their heart. Amen? Even though these Jews had the Old Testament scriptures and frequently argued over various doctrinal points, they never really allowed God to speak to them through it. This is very important. You can get so analytical about the word. Be very careful when you start pulling the word apart and analyzing it to the degree that you're sort of dealing more in an intellectual area and you've lost the heart. You've lost the God that is speaking to you through the scriptures. 
And it's almost like you're saying, God, just wait a minute. i got to figure this out first. I know because I've done that. And I have to be really careful that I don't allow people that are like that. See, that's one of the things when I'm, you know, reading my commentaries and stuff. I have to kind of stay away from some of those things because they just get so caught up in their little arguments. And then you kind of back off and go, yo, one minute, dude, what's happening here? You're getting so caught up in this little argument, you've lost the heart and you've lost the life in what is being said here. Amen? And, you know, I've said to Emily so many times, I said, you'd be, you know, you'd be proud of the stuff I throw away. <laughs> Dear God, if I brought that, everybody would just, the roll, eyes would roll to the back of their head and they'd drop off their seats. Because it's all useless. It's lifeless. It's an argument. It's interesting in the head, but doesn't bring any, any life into, into you. Amen? And the, they were experts at this. William McDonald says, their hearts were hardened, their ears were dull of hearing. And that's what Jesus brings out in the very next verse when he says in John 5.39, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. In the literal text, Jesus actually says here, You are searching the scriptures because you think in them you have everlasting life. But you fail to see me revealed in these scriptures. And yet, it is they that testify concerning me. In other words, when they saw Jesus coming, they should have said, The scriptures in bodily form. Here it is. Now we can ask about all those little things that we didn't know. <laughs> we were arguing about. Let's check it out with the scripture itself. Wouldn't that be wonderful if they sort of... Uh, you know, stopped and spoke to the Lord and said, could you please explain some of these things to us? Because we've had debates for years, decades. The woman at the well did that. She said, well, you know, some believe it's this and some believe it's that. And so Jesus was able to straighten it all out and say, it doesn't matter which hill and which mountain and which temple. (laughs) Amen. God's looking for those that worship in spirit and in truth and boom. Problem solved. Rather than come to him and talk to him and get it all straightened out, they held on to their beliefs, rejected him, and as Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. You're going to be in a place at at a point in time, if you don't repent, where you look up and realize that you missed it. That Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are sitting with all them Gentile fellas. (laughs) that's us you know and you Jews who thought you were that special in hell what happened more to come I've I've, I've run out of time we might have to leave it here let let me just finish with these thoughts William McDonald says that the main subject of the Old Testament was the coming of Christ. If anyone misses that in studying the Old Testament, he or she misses the most important part of it. Amen? D.A. Carson goes on to conclude that if, therefore, some of the Jews refuse to come to Jesus for life, that refusal constitutes evidence that they are not reading their scriptures as they were meant to be read. 
Did you hear that? And that's exactly what Jesus brings out when he goes in the same verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Because they're just rejecting everything. We'll leave it there. I'm sorry, I really wanted to finish. We have seven verses to go, I believe, and then we're done. But I, I, I want to take a little bit of time with them. Um, I pray that you're getting something out of this. I'm sorry I'm taking so long in this chapter. Um, there are some things that we'll go through very quickly because they're just events. Right now, we're talking about truths that are central to Jesus Christ being God. Truths that we need to know, not only for ourselves, but also how, if we need to talk to other people, what we need to know is going on in the background and what God is doing while we're speaking. So, you know, we need to understand that there's an inner witness. We need to understand that God may bring other people across their path. Don't ever think you're the only one. That they might have even seen miracles. Amen? And whatever scripture you give them, God watches over His Word to perform. Make sure you drop a scripture. Make sure it's not just your words that you leave them with. Always have something of hope that you can give them. Something that will encourage them. Please don't beat people over the head with the Bible. Bless them with His Word. Amen. There's a difference. Amen. Amen? And it means you don't judge people. You look at them and even in their rebellion and their rejection, try to see what's going on behind all of that. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe somebody did something bad to them. Maybe a religious person did something bad to them. We've seen a lot of that in the media, haven't we? And you don't know what hurts they're coming from. So don't take it personally. Amen? You're one of God's kids. Act like that. Be hope. Be a light to them. And ask God for revelation. Say, Lord, what can I share with them? But you can't share what you don't know. Amen? You need to find those things. That will help people. You know, sometimes we do Bible studies and it's all about us. God, help me to feel better. Help me to feel stronger. Help me to get more power. Help me, help me, help me. And that's fantastic, but how long are you going to go on with, you know? <laughs> can we get to a place where once in a way, we say, God, can you give me something to help somebody else? Just once, you know, it's a new thought. Don't strain the brain. Don't have an aneurysm, but you know, just like just once in a way, just say, can I have something if I'm talking to somebody? Is there something that will really bless them? And God just bubbles up a little scripture or tells you to turn somewhere and you go, what is that scripture? And go, wow, that's great. And I promise you it will bless you too. Blessed to be a blessing. But then it will have life to it when you speak it to somebody else. And sometimes you can give them a word that God can confirm. And they might come back to you and tell you what was actually going on. I've been hurt. Everybody has used the word to hurt me. You're the first one that used it to bless me. That didn't judge me. That loved me. Like Jesus did the woman taking adultery. Amen. And then she followed him all the days of her life. Those are the people that were at the cross. All the boys ran. All the girls hung around. Well, John was there. 
That's why I like his gospel and like his epistle, and they couldn't kill him. <laughs> Amen. The one person that was there, and he didn't say, yeah, I know the rest of them. They'll all run, but I'll be with you. Whole Catholic Church was built on that one. But there was John, who was quiet. Hmm? Those are the ones you want. Amen. I know they love that, you know, Peter was martyred upside down. I like John. He just didn't, he refused to be martyred. He just said, no, thank you. No. <laughs> and they're like, okay. We better leave this one. We can't kill it. We'll put it on an island. Give him some time to write the last book in the Bible called Revelation. He said, oh, a bit of time to myself. Let's write. What do you got for me, God? I just think John was like that. They don't, you know, people just depict him as, all oh, the religious people, I, mean, I know I'm going over time, you know, depict him as, oh, this old, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus all the time, kind of, you know, stroking his beard and, you know, up in the island somewhere. And okay, we're here now for doing your work. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I just don't see him like that. You know, it's... it's like this movie I saw. I'm sorry. I just, you know, it's, it's about how you'll see things. Let me leave you with this. You know, this guy, the, these two guys store, on board, uh, store away on board of this ship illegally, and they get caught, and the guy says, and when we get to Cuba, we will flog you and flog you, and if God willing, we get to flog you a third time. And the guy goes, whoa, great, Cuba. <laughs> Where are your eyes at? Eh? I think John was like that. <laughs> We're going to put you on an island. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I need a little bit of time out. You know, ministering to people can get tiring. This is, thank you, Romans. This is really fantastic. Thank you, Jews. This is good. And, and says, oh, I have time with you, God. And God says, I know, I got time with you now. Let's go. Let me show you. Let me give you the last, last book. This one will finish all the books. And this will be a death nail on everything else. It's the final story. Amen? The church triumphant. A new heaven, a new earth. The devil put in its place. Everything ends and everything begins. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I just thank you for your word. And we just thank you, Lord, that we want to be like the Apostle John. And I just thank you, Father, for all the witnesses that Jesus is giving us right now. And we thank you, Lord, that we see, we see in all of this that he was God. Everything testified to it. And I thank you, Lord, that we're not worshiping something that is false. We are worshiping the true God. And because of it, we have life, eternal life. Hallelujah. I just thank you for everybody here right now that they receive these truths. And I thank you that they know that whenever they're out there, when whoever they're speaking to, that they're never, never alone. Whatever courage they muster up to say something, that they know you're there. We do it in humility. We do not do it in arrogance. But in that humility, we know that there's an amazing power that is released. And there's an amazing God behind this word. Hallelujah. I thank you for this word. I thank you for 
the, the revelation that we are not just getting, but a revelation that we can walk in and apply in our lives in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.